does faith in Jesus actually help us during hardship? Like, is it possible to believe that God is good even when life is not good? I mean, look, we've all adjusted to this pandemic in very different ways. It's a shared experience because of what it is, but it's landed differently for each of us. For some of us, you know, it might have registered as inconvenience. You know, it's annoying that you can't play the sports you used to play. You're not going to go and travel to the places you wanted to travel. It's, it's irritating that you can't visit your favorite restaurant or, or coffee shop anymore or maybe work in the same way you used to work. It's, it's inconvenient. But for others of us, this isn't so much a convenience thing. This is a crisis thing. You've actually lost your job. You've actually had a spike of anxiety that you didn't anticipate. There are people you know who are vulnerable to this infection in a way that maybe you aren't, but now you are carrying the burden for them because they are vulnerable. Maybe it's not even you yourself that feels like you're in crisis, but you now know many people, perhaps close to you, that are in crisis, and so now you are sharing that concern. Or maybe it's even worse for you, maybe before all of COVID-19 shaped our reality the way it's currently shaping it, you already were in crisis. There was something you were experiencing, some relational tension, some financial burden, some sort of goal that was, that was being impeded in some way, and, and you were already in a spot before all of this started weeks ago where you were hanging on by a thread. And even just the fact that you are listening to a message is a huge win for you today. Can you believe that God is good even when life is not good? Like, can faith in Jesus actually help during hardship? This is what I love so much about Christianity and what I love about God and the Bible itself is that it assumes that there's going to be rawness to your experience. It assumes there's going to be an authentic, genuine honestness that you yourself can bring in dialogue with God, in dialogue with God's people that actually relates to real life. It assumes that life is not actually always going to be easy. And this is why I'm excited about our new series. See, we're starting a series in the book of 1 Peter. And 1 Peter writes long ago to, to the, some of the first followers of Jesus in light of the present situation they were in, this ongoing reality that they were facing of persecution and suffering. And God has a message for them and a message for us in the midst of that. So we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 1 and just look at a, the first few verses of what Peter writes as he starts his letter. He says this, Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, which is, for us, modern-day Turkey now, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Holy Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. It would be tempting to maybe just quickly skim over these first few verses as if, you know, they're only introductory. They only give us just some details that maybe aren't very relevant for us right now. But actually, there is a lot to think about here. Peter, first of all, 
an apostle of Jesus Christ. Like, think of, think of how different things were for him. An everyday, ordinary guy like us, but who actually lived with Jesus, who was a witness to the events of Jesus' life, his death, and his rising from the dead. And then he describes to this, this large area of people, of, of believers in, in, in Asia Minor, some things that are true about them. Before he ever gets to talk about here's what you could do or maybe should do in your life, here's who you are because of what God has done. He talks about the fact that, look, you are chosen by God the Father, the God who breathed out stars, the God who engineered microscopic mechanisms. He sees you, knows you, and wants relationship with you. The God who, who can ca- cause you to be holy, set apart, different, new because of the Holy Spirit. A God who now you can follow in obedience to Jesus Christ, the good shepherd who leads us into life abundantly. This is where he starts with identity. And we don't want to bypass this just because it maybe sounds introductory. No, maybe for you today, this is all that God wants to point out for you today is your identity is still solid in him. Maybe there are parts about who you are, labels you've attached to yourself based on on your interests or commitments or responsibilities or accomplishments that have been delayed or paused or postponed or canceled right now. Like the grandparents I know who, who love, you know, being grandpa and grandma who now cannot visit their grandchildren. That part of their identity has been put on pause right now. They're not living out who they are in a very different way. But for us, God sees us, God knows us, God has chosen us, has brought us to a place where we can be different, we can be made new, where we can be righteous in his sight and follow him into life to the full. And maybe that's the only thing you needed to be reminded of today. Yes, there are things that are different about who you are right now. But what has remained, what is steady, is who you are because of God's work in you and God's work through you. But he doesn't just stop at identity. And today what we're going to look at is where he takes us around the concept of hope. He continues in verse 3 saying this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Look at what we're, we've just been told. Like, really, really think about this. Because, look, I can, I can come up with a lot of words to kind of describe all of what has just been said here. But listen to what God is speaking to you through the words of Peter. There is a living hope that is available to you. And and you know what's interesting about all this is that you actually needed this before whatever situation you're in right now. 
A couple of years ago, I was driving here to the church in my first vehicle. Do you remember your first vehicle? Like, can you picture what it was and the process you went through to purchase it and, and, and select it and, and show it off to your friends and take people for rides to places because maybe you had a car and they didn't have a car and so now you're driving around and, and you're you know flexing because you've got something really nice to, to transport you from one place to the other. Well, this was my first car. I really loved this car and I'm driving it here to the church one day and I'm with a friend of mine and we park in the parking lot, and, and he leans over to me. He's like, hey, I think your car is on fire. And I was like, okay, we have sort of a humorous relationship. You know, maybe, he's, maybe he was joking about something, but I, I look towards the hood, out the windshield, and what I see is smoke. And obviously, I'm getting a little bit concerned because nobody wants to be in a burning vehicle. And I'm like, well, what is happening right now? So we, we jump out of the car. I, I pop the hood, and sure enough, open flame. My first car, open flame. And the amount of things that are running through my head right now are many. Like, how do we put this out? What's going to happen? Is it going to hit the building? Is it going to hit me? Like, what do I do with all of this? Oddly enough, also at this time, there was a funeral going on inside our building right through the wall of where I had parked. So you've got people in solemn, you know, state of life and, and the event that's going on there uh, inside and outside there is chaos. And we're running around like trying to figure out how do we put this thing out? What do we do? What happens? Fortunately, uh, it all got kind of handled. Uh, that was the beginning of the end for my first car and I no longer have it. But the thing was about this that my car already needed to be replaced before a fire ever started. Before there was smoke, before there was heat, before there was screaming and running around, before there was panic, before there was a call to the you know, tow truck driver to come get this thing off of our property, before any of that happened, I already needed a new car. And in the same way, you and I, before a pandemic, before quarantine, before social isolation, before any of the effects of this hit us, we already needed a solution to a much bigger, deeper, and more serious problem. And what Peter is pointing out for us here is that God has already provided it. The worst of what you and I've ever faced, sin, separation from God, death itself, the worst of what we've faced has already faced the best of what God has to offer. And that's Jesus. It's no wonder we're told, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because according to his great mercy, like look, each of us needed mercy. Before we needed a vaccine, before we needed an emergency response benefit, before we needed Zoom to connect with people at church or in our friend sphere, before we needed technology, before we needed any of this, we needed God's mercy. We needed hope. And God has already provided it. In Ephesians chapter 2, we're told this. Remember that at that time, so there was a time in the past, at that time, you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, meaning you weren't part of God's original chosen group of people that he was going to bring rescue and rule to. You're strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off 
have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Look at this. There was something far bigger, far more serious that we needed fixed in our lives. The worst thing we've ever faced has already faced the best thing God has to offer, and that's Jesus. His life on our behalf, his death for our sins, and his rising from the dead to bring us new life, to bring us a hope and a future, and a power now for the present. I'm a dad of two kids, and I've been trying to teach my kids, you know, how to pray, how to, how to you know, understand concepts from the Bible, even memorize verses. And one day, in, in trying to teach my oldest son, who's now four, how to pray, uh, he, he took on this really weird voice where he was like, Dear Jesus! And I was like... Uh, I mean, that sounded kind of Southern, uh, but, you know, he, he was like going off on some sort of weird voice. And I was like, buddy, what, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm trying to scare him. And I was like, you're, tr- you're trying to scare Jesus? Like what? Like, I just picture, I'm like picturing Jesus on his throne. Like, whoa, like, like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Like, wow, from a three-year-old, what's, what's going on? And, you know, like sometimes I think we view life that way. It's like we're in crisis. We're feeling hopeless. We're feeling anxious. We're feeling concerned. And it's like, is God in crisis too? Is Jesus afraid of what I'm afraid of? Listen, God is not in crisis right now. But he's with us in our crisis. And there's something that we need to understand about this. We could put our hope in a lot of different things right now. Maybe you are putting a lot of hope in different things. You're putting hope in, in, in your EI. You're putting hope in the emergency response benefit. You're putting hope in, you know, these online technological platforms to connect you to people. You're putting your hope in doctors. You're putting your hope in a lot of things that will be helpful for you. But each of them in some way is going to be limited or false to deliver the biggest hope you need. And that is a hope to reconnect you to your creator. Something that has already been accomplished outside of your effort on your behalf, and it is bringing us an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and it is being kept in heaven for us. Like, there's something so damaging about false hope, isn't there? Like, every time you and I are disappointed, it's because we've had unmet expectations. So we've centered our expectations on something or someone and our expectations were up here but what it was delivered upon was down here and now we're feeling that gap and we are feeling disappointed and disappointment can lead to discouragement. Think of the whiplash of of that. I've seen this happen in, in, in people's lives close to me especially when they're going through some sort of traumatic medical experience. A couple of years ago, my wife and I were going through and we were trying to figure out what exactly was wrong with, with her system. We were having a lot of tests, we were having a lot of prescriptions, doctor's visits, and, and nights of anguish where it was like, man, the physical symptoms are unbearable and nothing seems to be helping. Oh yeah, we, we're having people pray for us. 
Oh yeah, people are speaking words of encouragement. There was one really powerful experience in worship where somebody came to me with a word and it was about, you know, God was going to lead us to green pastures. And we started to see that take shape as, you know, that kind of coincided with a new prescription and our doctor promises, hey, look, we've tried a lot of stuff. Now we're bringing out the big guns and this is going to help you. And, and here you go, take this. This is the last thing. This is going to work. You've made it. And, you know, having that in combination with that word bringing together, symptoms started to change and it seemed like, man, Things are shifting. And then they shifted back. And what we were expecting to happen did not happen. And when we, we feel, you know, the, the whiplash of that, it's, it makes us question, you know, can we really hear from God? Does he really speak today? Does he really hear prayer? Does he really answer prayer? Is there actually hope? to be found as we follow him in hardship. But this is what I love about what Peter speaks to the early believers, and this is what I believe God wants to speak to me and to you today in your heart in a way that makes sense for what you yourself are experiencing. Our hope is not shifting. Our hope is solid. Because it's built not on how we feel, it's built on the fact that in history, Jesus came, lived a life that we could not live, died a death we deserved, and rose from the dead to bring us such an unrivaled inheritance kept for us no matter what we go through now. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. The gospel hope does not break when you feel hopeless. There's a, a story of a World War II prisoner of war named Louis Zamperini. It's chronicled in the book Unbroken. A movie was, was made out of it. And there's this amazing scene where he's forced in his exhaustion, malnutrition, and, and sort of physical beatdown of being in a, in a prisoner of war camp in Japan where he is forced under threat of death to lift a wooden beam above his head and hold it there. And it's an amazing scene because what happens for him as he lifts it up in defiance of all those watching, of all those taunting, of all those threatening him and holds it there above his head triumphantly. It's an amazing scene. And in the book, one of the other prisoners who was watching this happen took note of the time and saw that as this was unfolding, 37 minutes passed by that Zamperini endures and lifts this above his head before one of the commanding officers gets so angry at the sight of this that he charges him and knocks him down. And you know, for me, I think when I view life, and in times here and there right now even, it's like, how do we carry the weight of the brokenness of this world? And it's like I try to visualize myself like Zamperini. Like, picking up a weight that I need to somehow hold and try to force it above my head for as long as I can. And it's like, that's how I'm going to endure. This is how I'm going to get through. And, you know, with prayer and with effort and with all that I need to do, it's like, that is how I'm going to have hope. But somehow, in the pressure of it all, what I think Peter wants to write to us if you're feeling like, man, I can't hold this up any longer. 
what God is reminding us is that this is not ours to hold up. Hope can rise up in you because Jesus rose up from the tomb. This is based on his power. This is based on his promise. This is based on his presence. And our hope does not break when we feel hopeless. Your hopelessness doesn't change the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and has sent the Holy Spirit to be our comforter, to be our power right now where we are. So are you searching? Are you seeking him? He's available to you today. And it's no wonder, it is no wonder that we end up in Peter again in verse 6 saying, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. In this you can rejoice. There's something so amazing and unique about Christianity that you can feel grief and you can have peace. You can mourn and rejoice. You can hurt, but also be okay in some ways. I know a lot of us are missing going to restaurants. I know, you know, for me, I wasn't, you know, typically frequenting a lot of the fancier restaurants where, you know, you need a reservation to get in so that when you roll in there, you're kind of bypassing the line and, and the, the, the hostess is like, hey, sorry, you know, there's no space for you, George. There's no space for you, Susan. There's no space for you. Sorry, there's no space over there. Uh, you're going to have to wait. But you yourself, you had that reservation. You're marching in there because you know there's a table set aside for you. Well, the Christian hope leads to confidence, and confidence creates gratefulness. And I am grateful that what this shows us is that there is a reserved aspect to our rejoicing that allows us to rise up in hope. Oh yeah, you may not be able to take happiness right now in something you used to. Oh, you may not have peace right now in something you used to find peace in. Oh, you may not have reliability or confidence or joy or satisfaction, and things you used to right now, and maybe we'll never have again. But in Jesus, there is always something set aside. The hope of the resurrection, a living hope that is available to you today. May you encounter that and know that. And I want to leave us with the words of Romans chapter 15, which say this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. That's our prayer for you. And as our worship team leads us in this next song, which might be unfamiliar to some of us, just let the lyrics and the moment usher you into the presence of God as you hear the line, you know, let hope arise, death is overcome, he's already won. May that speak encouragement into your situation today, wherever you are, whenever you're listening.